my name is Matt Kennedy, and this is the Steadfast Podcast. This podcast exists to use Bible study and theological teaching to encourage you to be steadfast in your faith. Thank you for taking time out of your day to check out the Steadfast Podcast. I hope today's episode is an encouragement to you. Last week, we started Luke chapter 9. I said Luke 9 had a really big question that it sought to answer. And that question is, who is Jesus? Chapter 9 revealed that a lot of people had the wrong idea about who Jesus is. I mean, theories were all over the place. Some people thought he was John the Baptist, raised from the dead. Maybe Elijah had come back. Or some other prophet from the Old Testament had somehow risen from the dead. Now, with so many ideas going around, the Father revealed exactly who Jesus is. He revealed to Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior. Then he revealed on that mountain that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus literally had his appearance transformed right in front of some of his disciples, revealing his true glory. With the immense worth of Jesus on display in front of the disciples, the chapter also seeks to answer another important question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, that question could be answered in so many different ways, but this chapter specifically has a couple of different ways that it seeks to answer. What does it mean to follow Jesus? We're going to primarily work through verses in chapter 9 that we did not cover last week. We're going to see that these sections really are woven together. But to answer this week's question of what does it mean to follow Jesus, we have to start at the very beginning in Luke 9. We need to look back at the first six verses once more. Our first point of the day, following Jesus brings purpose. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1, quote, And he called the twelve together, and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages and preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. End quote. Just like I mentioned last week, this chapter opens with Jesus sending out his disciples to preach the gospel, to heal diseases, to cast out demons. And they're going to go to a bunch of towns, and the word about Jesus is going to spread like crazy. I cannot even begin to imagine how intimidating this would have been for the disciples. I imagine it's one thing to see Jesus do these amazing things, but it's quite another to be sent by Jesus to do those things. Yet, no matter how intimidating it might have been, it was the call that Jesus had put on their life. I don't know if they were anxious, I don't know if they were fearful, but I know that unknown and new things can definitely stir up those feelings. Last week, I guessed at some of the questions they might have had, but ultimately, we don't know what was going through their minds. But what we do know is that Jesus had a mission for them. He gave them a purpose that would help people in their present, but it would ultimately go much further than that. It would ultimately impact their eternity. You see, Romans 1.16, Paul says this, quote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, 
end quote. And that was what the twelve carried with them. The gospel, the power of God. Throughout history, God has used His people in many ways to change lives and to change eternities of so many people. Sure, He has called people to be missionaries overseas, to leave everything behind and move far, far away. He's called people to give up the plans they had for their life and to be pastors. He's called people to be professors and writers and many things. But ultimately, what He has called each and every follower of Jesus to be is someone who loves their neighbor enough to reach out. He's called them to be witnesses for Him in the workplace, in the public square, in their times of recreation. He's called His people to love others in a million different ways. He's called them all to share the keys of the kingdom with other people, to show His love, and to have a conversation that could make a difference where someone is 10,000 or 10 million or 10 billion years from now. One of the things that makes life so purposeful is that in this life, it's not just about itself. This life actually leads to eternity. Look, in the United States, the life expectancy, according to Google, right now is about 79 years. It's a little less for men, a little more for women, and there's obvious reasons behind that. But no matter how long you have on this earth, God desires for you to use those years, those months, those weeks, days, hours, minutes, seconds to reach beyond the span of your life, to impact eternity by impacting those who He has placed around you. Whether that is in your workplace, in your neighborhood, on your team, at your school, wherever it might be, He has called you to love those people. And that gives you a purpose that doesn't end at 79 years, but actually echoes through eternity. We have been given a gift of purpose that can impact forever. I know in this life, there's so many things that feel like such a big deal. In the moment, they feel like the biggest thing that has ever happened in the history of the earth. That one conversation you have with someone or that one revelation about something someone has done can make everything seem like it's falling apart. The sky is falling. Everything is ending. It's the biggest thing ever. Maybe someone mistreated you. Maybe you didn't get the job you wanted. Maybe you didn't get into the school you applied to. Maybe somebody just acted a fool in your life. The list is endless. But at the end of the day, none of those things are going to matter for that long. Why? Because those moments will pass so quickly. There will be a point you won't even remember them. They usually affect far less than we think they will. Their purpose is limited because of their usually short-term impact. But on the other hand, don't we celebrate that which lasts? I mean, think, the Roman Empire lasted over 500 years, and every man in our country has thought about the Roman Empire this month at some point. Then you got people like the Zhao Dynasty. They lasted almost 800 years years. Look, their purpose, their significance is amplified with their duration. But Jesus gives us something far greater than that. I want you to think about the hymn, Amazing Grace. It says, quote, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun, end quote. I know you're probably disappointed I didn't sing that for you, but it's that was an act of love. That was loving my neighbor by reading it and not singing it. Because, as they say, I cannot carry a note in a bucket. I am no musician. 
But think about those words that John Newton wrote. He is pointing to the fact that even if you've been there 10,000 years, you're not one second closer to being done than when you first begun. Because eternity is forever. It doesn't end. It goes on and on and on. Therefore, the purpose, the significance of eternal life is infinite. Look, we have got to remember that every single person who has ever lived is living now or will ever live is a soul. And that soul will last forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. Those are real places. They're not just images the Bible gives us to teach some greater truth. It is telling us about a literal reality. One literal reality will contain love, joy, peace like we have never experienced. The most beautiful sunset here is but a shadow of the beauty of heaven. But the other place is full of torment, sorrow, regret. The worst thing that has ever happened on this planet is but a shadow of that deeper reality of hell. Look, these two places, they have a gap between them that is truly infinite. One that is as great as it could possibly be and one that is horrible as it could possibly be. God wants to use you to make the difference in the lives of other people. And that is an honor. He has called you his ambassador, his witness. He wants to clothe you with wonderful purpose that will ring through eternity. It's a purpose that goes so much deeper than the messages of the world that say, hey, just find what makes you happy. Follow your heart, blah, blah, blah. That happy will fade from one minute to the next. But the purpose that Jesus is calling you to, that wants you to experience, is one that will echo through the ages of eternity. I want you to think about how glorious of a moment it would be to walk the streets of gold and to bump into someone that says, Hey, thank you for sharing Christ with me. I am here because I heard the gospel, I believed the gospel, and God counted that as righteousness and saved me. Thank you for being used by God to get me here. Can you think about that? Can you think about what that would be like? You know when you do something with purpose on this planet, it changes how you do it. You know how it looks when someone's just strolling along and then when someone is walking with purpose. Purpose motivates. It sustains. Purpose says, I may not get how all this fits into the plan, but I know my God is working something that I can't see. And that thing will make a difference, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for eternity. You see, following Jesus brings purpose. Point number two, following Jesus changes priorities. Verse 22 and following, quote, And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father, and of the holy angels. You see, following Jesus doesn't leave us with the option of making life about us. 
Jesus calls his followers to take up their cross daily. But you know what? As Jesus is challenging us to pick up our cross, Jesus is making it clear that he is not asking anyone to do anything that he's not leading the way in. You see, one day he would literally take up a cross. He would carry it up a hill to the place of the skull. On that cross, Roman soldiers would take two nails that were about seven inches long, and they would drive them into his hands. they take another nail that was about nine inches and drive it into his feet. There would be a hole at the foot of the cross, and ropes tied to the top and sides of the cross. They would pull the rope so the cross would be hoisted up and settle into that hole, jarring the one who was crucified. Then on that cross, Jesus would spend about six hours pushing on that nail that went through his feet just so that he could lift himself up for a bit of air. But the pain would be too much and he had to drop back down, but then he would need air again. So he'd have to push against the nail and lift himself back up and on and on for six hours until he breathed his last. He did that to free everyone who would be a follower of him. He gave it all so that we could be free. He put us first. He laid down his life in the most brutal way possible. Why? For us. You've heard the word excruciating. It means something so intensely painful. What you may not know is that ex, E-X, is a Latin prefix that means from or out of. So excruciating, what it literally means from its Latin roots is from or out of crucifying. So when we say intensely painful, we are selling that word short because that word comes from the idea of someone being crucified. My point in this Latin lesson is that our word for such intense, overwhelming pain comes from the very thing that Jesus experienced in his death. Of course, he also experienced the cup of wrath from the Father, making it the truly most excruciating death ever recorded in human history. He says very clearly, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross when daily and follow me. That doesn't mean our experience will be like his. He for sure set the record on intensity. It does mean that the pattern and the rhythm of the Christian life is one of putting Jesus first, not our comforts, not our hobbies, not our pleasures, not our preferences, not anything else, but only putting Jesus first. You could follow after anything in the world and get anything in the world. But Jesus says, what good is that? What good is it to get stuff and lose yourself? Jesus is the one you're made for. You're made to know him. You're made to love him. You're made to enjoy him. So anything else you try to put in the place of Jesus in your life will not satisfy. It will always bring frustrations as you ask, why isn't this making me happy? I thought more money, better job, better friends, better whatever would make me happy. But those things were not made to make you happy. That's not its purpose. Of course, something that wasn't made to fill you with joy will never fill you with joy. We walk along this life in a maddened state, trying to fit a square in a round hole when it's simply not going to work. Following Jesus changes our priorities because only then can we see Him as our greatest treasure. Only then do we realize that only Him can bring peace. Only then do we realize that He is the joy and the source of joy that we are longing for. 
See, following Jesus realigns the set of priorities in which we were meant to live by that bring fulfillment. It may not be the monetary blessing we feel we need or feel we deserve or whatever, but it brings a deep fellowship with our God that fills the deepest need of our heart. It's not hard to see what we prioritize. It may be hard to be honest with ourselves, but it's not hard to see it. Look, I've used this alliteration before, that you can tell what is most valuable to you. You can tell what your idols are. You can tell what you prioritize most by three simple words, time, treasure, and talents. How we use our time, our money, other resources, how we use the skills and talents God has given us reveals what we think is most important. Look, tell me how you spend your time and I will tell you what you value most. Tell me how you spend your money and I will tell you what you value most. Tell me how you use your gifts and I will tell you what you value the most. And that is the key, right? Our values, what we value most, reveal our priorities because we are going to prioritize what we think is most valuable. We can keep pressing into this. Practically, there's so many other things we could use to diagnose our priorities. We could look at your phone. We could look at your screen time and see what app you are using, what's hogging the lion's share of your attention. We're going to see what you think is valuable. Think about the things you talk about with your friends and family. Think about what gets you excited to share. Why aren't you ashamed to share those things? Why aren't you embarrassed? Why don't you keep them quiet? It's the simplest of answers because you think they're awesome. They're the things that are on your mind. They're the things you think about the most. When we think of Jesus as the best thing in our life, we won't be ashamed. We won't be embarrassed. I know. I I get it. Look, as I'm saying all of this, you're like, yeah, but this is church talk. There's so many reasons to hold up other things. I understand why that would come to mind, and I understand the laundry list of things you might have, but guess what? You're not the only one with a laundry list. You're not the only one thinking of exceptions to this rule. There were other people there. There are people right there in this scene who were thinking just like you are. Let's look at the end of chapter 9. We're going to read verses 57 through 62. Quote, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I've heard people say these verses are harsh. Why did Jesus have to bring up him being homeless? Why couldn't the man go bury his father? Why couldn't that other guy go and say his goodbyes? Isn't Jesus being unreasonable? Okay, three things. First, Jesus is God, and God owns everything. And that means he has every right to require anything from anyone because it's already his. That may not be convenient for us to hear. It may not be convenient for us to understand, but it is just, it is right, it is good. God owns it all. Secondly, as I've already mentioned, 
When we understand what Jesus did for us by leaving glory, laying down his life, being tortured and killed to be the only sinless, unblemished sacrifice that could cover the sins of all who would believe, when we truly get that, we will truly understand that he has laid down infinitely more than anything he ever asked anyone else to lay down. He did not ask anyone in those verses to do more than he has done. Third, I think Jesus is trying to help these people understand what is truly for their good. That they must see that what Jesus offers is worth reprioritizing everything in their life and never looking back. What some people will look and read as harsh, what it actually is as compassion, it's an invitation to something greater than they have ever known before. When you go to the doctor and the doctor is truthful about what is wrong with you, what Jesus is doing is actually compassion because he is laying out the truth that leads to their good. He is not lying. He is not sugarcoating. He is not beating around the bush. He is being direct and honest about what they need to prioritize for their good, for their joy, for the glory of God. Jesus is worth going all in for, not being divided, being all in. The purpose he brings to life is an absolute game changer. Yes, we need to prioritize above all else to get the ultimate purpose out of life, and that is going to be found only in Jesus. The questions we are left with here, they are simple, but so very difficult. Am I willing to truly prioritize Jesus above all else? Do I even think that Jesus and the purpose he brings is worthy of being my top priority? And if I do, what steps do I need to take to let my life match my words? What do I need to eliminate off of, or at least knock down the priority list, so that Jesus can have the top spot in my life? These questions are simple, but they are difficult. Following Jesus brings purpose, and following Jesus changes our priorities. Thanks for listening to the Steadfast Podcast. I want to remind you that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul wrote this, quote, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain, end quote. So in light of biblical truth, let us be steadfast, immovable. Let us remember that through Jesus, not one labor is in vain, not one trial is in vain, not one effort in all of our lives is in vain. Because he gives purpose, and that purpose rings through eternity. That's all I've got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, if you've got questions you would like answered, you can email me at matt at steadfastpodcast.com.